Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for Podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. everybody welcome to pretty scary pretty scary boo i am adam todd brown i am carrie martin and carrie i think there's someone else in the room with us i feel a presence i feel there's a presence in a room that is adorned with a lot of southwestern (laughs) navajo-esque Mm-hmm. Yep. items and her name is miss rachel o'brien she's a great friend of mine a comedian and she also has her very own true crime podcast which is seven deadly sinners miss rachel o'brien yay rachel thank you for joining us we so rarely have guests this is fun i listened to one where you had uh, i think her name was cindy on maybe uh, oh yeah that was the last uh, one i or yeah that was a couple ago. I'm going to start listening more because I was like, this is really entertaining. I didn't know about that internet hate most hated guy on the internet. Like you guys are, I had planned to listen a while ago and I hadn't, but I listened before we recorded today and I was like, this is a goddamn great podcast. Did you watch the show? The, I think it was a three parter on Netflix. No, I've never, I've never even heard of this guy. I never watch it. I mean, it very much couples up with the podcast and butthole girl will make a lot more sense to you. I promise. (laughs) Um, But definitely watch the documentary uh, or the docu-series on Netflix. It's okay. Again, it's another one I watched a couple of times. Crazy. The Hunter Moore documentary is not completely unlike what we're talking about today, which is the (laughs) House of Hammer documentary which is about Army Hammer and all of the wild allegations that have circulated about him in recent years. I didn't know much about this going in. Like, I knew Army Hammer had been accused of things, but I just don't follow actors. Like, I have a favorite actor, but I don't, like, I don't care about actors the way I care about, like, musicians or anything like that. So I never looked into it. Like if I never see Army Hammer in another movie, I won't be bummed out. You won't be like, where did Army Hammer go? Yeah. yeah. I was telling Carrie before we started that when I was single, um, I was on that like dating app that like celebrities would be on. I was not a celebrity, but like it could be influencers, comedians, whatever. And then there would be like a random big celebrity on there. You know, it's called Riot. It's, right. Yeah. But, but I mean, you still have to have, I think a blue check mark to, no. they have to approve you. Right. Yeah. But you don't have a blue check mark. I don't think I've gotten, no, I have, I know. Cause I got like, I've gotten friends on before that. No, but regardless, I mean, I have um, a blue check mark, Terry, I can get you on Raya if you need it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I just want to see if I can get on. So okay. yeah, okay. let's try to get me on. I'll refer you. Is there a petition we can sign? You're in a relationship. I know. <laughs> I just, I haven't been in a relationship for so long that I forget. Often. I, I, I actually though, when I, when I remembered this story, 
was like, because I still have the app on my phone. Well, I deleted it, but I re-downloaded it to try to get my friend Gina on because she wants to uh, try to meet Taylor Kitsch or whatever his name is. Sure. I don't know if he's on there. Mm. Friday Night Lights. It was that that app's the one that I was like, I wonder if Army Hammer is on there now. So back when I was single and I was on Raya and I just saw something that he was in and I was like, oh gosh, he's really handsome. And I said, Army Hammer. I was like, like, arm, like Arm and Hammer, like the brand or whatever. And didn't bother to look into if he was married or not. I was just like, huh, like maybe I'll meet him on Raya. And then I eventually looked him up on social media and I was like, oh my God, he's married. And him and his wife have this most, the most perfect life. So I started following her too. And I it, like, this huge mansion, the most adorable kids, they're both perfect looking. Like I was just fascinated by them. He really did put off an image of being like an almost perfect dude. Like he seemed very likable in interviews. Like I've never seen him in a movie and been mad that he was in that movie. And yeah, that this documentary really does play up that part a lot, how his public image was so pristine and then he's, yeah. he's trying to eat women behind the scenes Carrie doesn't and not in the cool people. way not in the cool way <laughs> eating people in the worst way possible right right well, i want to ask you does it make you grateful that you're not single anymore that i mean can- again i keep forgetting <laughs> so <laughs> maybe the shit out of me that he was able to pull it off I mean, and he is somebody that I'd be like, oh, there's red flags, but he's so attractive. And on top of it, he's rich. I didn't ever realize what kind of pedigree or rich background he came from. I I remember him from social network and thinking he was very attractive. But again, I didn't do any sort of deep diving. And then I, I would say maybe six months ago, I heard something random about him being a cannibal on Twitter. Again, didn't do any sort of deep diving, but here we are. Yeah. I always, I knew he had family money, but I thought it was like Arm and Hammer. Like I thought he had baking soda money, but I guess that name and that product name are just a coincidence. Like his family. Oh, my God. Has, I, oh I'm wrong. Oh, oh the, wait, it's not associated with that at all. I guess not. I thought so, it was too. I believe uh, This came up in episode two or three, but when his great grandfather lived in Russia and the Soviet Union sign was an arm and hammer. And that's why they went with that name. Oh, yeah, they did say that. But I still thought like they were so rich that they had their hands in like oil and baking soda. (laughs) (laughs) That, That rich, rich baking, baking soda money. Yeah. No. What a weird coincidence to be named Armand <laughs> Hammer and be super rich, but also to have nothing to do with Armand Hammer. It's fine. We it's were, fine. Seems like a waste. Maybe rich. If our parents would have just named us something prestigious. Yeah. That's all it takes. <laughs> so. So this documentary, it's not just about Army Hammer. It's about all of the men in his family. And they are all a big, big problem. They are, uh, they're rich. They're rich white dudes, insanely rich white dudes, like rich to the point that they are bored and have to like hunt humans for sport. Kind of It's very bad. That is times. a very accurate portrayal. And I know the aunt Casey hammer wrote a book, which we're obviously going to get into, but she even says, I can only go as far back as my great grandfather and what I knew. I'm sure they were you know, it's an even longer line of crazy. Oh, for sure. I've always thought that this, and, and same thing with like, I mean, it doesn't have to be old money, but like people that have so much money, normal thrills aren't good enough for them mm-hmm. anymore. Because they yeah. can do anything. So then it's like, they can't quench that. Like, you know, just like what would be new, like cool and fun for us or like risky or whatever is just like a Tuesday for them. It's like they, yeah, normal thrills just aren't good enough. They keep heightening it. Yeah, there's a lot of like sons of really rich dudes who have been accused of being associated with the CIA. And on on, like uh, the guy who we, I just on the conspiracy podcast that we do, it, the son of the guy who invented, no, the founder of Motorola, his son was a pilot, but he was also super duper rich. And there are rumors. I mean, there's not rumors. He like flew for the CIA in the eighties and nineties. And like, I think the first question people would have is, well, he's so rich. Why would he have to resort to flying missions for the CIA? And it's like, it's because he's so rich. 
And like the, like anything else he can just do. Like not yeah. everyone can just fly for the CIA. So of course he's going to jump at that opportunity when it comes his way. Cause he's done everything else. And I will or it's to stay connected. Yeah. Say in the defense of what you are saying about rich people getting bored that they do stuff. This is going to be the worst parallel that I can make, but I do watch Siesta Key on MTV. Sure, sure, sure. And there is a really rich guy named Sam who is dating Juliet, who's very, very pretty. And literally he just works out and hangs out by the pool. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this guy never has to work. It must be so boring. That's it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think I would be, I would, I would like to be extremely financially stable. I don't think I would want to be a billionaire. Like, I think I would go crazy. I, yeah. I really, what if you were born into it? You know, when they talk about old money or like the second generation is always like, think about like Rod Stewart's son, for example, he's not doing shit really. Or like, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to, I, like, but you get the point. It's like, they have no drive because they didn't need to. However, I would also say that he has let his body and his face go. So he, but he does seem to have a very charming personality. Are you talking about Sean Stewart? Yes. Oh, okay. 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 Also check Mark. Yeah, I was like, I haven't, I haven't uh, checked in on him in a while. I have no idea what he's doing, but that was just like, wasn't he in that Sons of Hollywood or Sons of something? He's been in a lot of things, I think. And he was recently on the Hills trying to date Adriana Patridge. But there is something to say also, I think, when you've got money, but then you're also just so freaking attractive. Well, yeah. I always, I appreciate when the children of rich people like stay in their lane and just do like children of rich people shit. Like any MTV reality show. One of the daughters of the owners of the Buffalo Bills, the Pagula family, Jessica Pagula, she is the top ranked American tennis player right now in, cool. in the world. And there are people who are like, oh, yeah, but she had all that family money behind her. It's like, man, she could have used that money to start a right wing media company. Like she is doing exactly what she's supposed to be That's doing. Cool. With her family money being good at tennis. Perfect. So I would say that the family money only helped her to get better tennis lessons, but clearly that family's got some great genes. They're doing something great. They're a sporting family. That's crazy. So the first person we meet in this documentary, at least in terms of Army Hammer's accusers, I don't think accusers is the right word. Victims is probably better. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any doubt that any of this happened. Courtney Vusekovich who was the CEO and founder of a company called Flashed. She met Army Hammer at a bar in Dallas in the winter of 2019. He follows her on Instagram. She follows him back. After a while, they start talking a lot, like all the time, like falling asleep on the phone together and shit. And it's like, who's talking on the phone like that in 2019? That's that's an extreme step in and of itself. And so they're they're doing all this phone conversate and he's telling her about his childhood trauma, showering her with all these compliments and attention. He's love bombing her. We have mm-hmm. a word for that now or a phrase for that. But I don't know that we did even in 2019. Like that feels like a phrase that's pretty recent, but I don't know. Maybe, but I definitely agree that that's why she got So wrapped up in everything and all of the people, but he also, and I know what comes out later as well, that he went for young, impressionable women that were obviously very beautiful, but also he probably, because he would follow them on social media and message them, um, possibly look to see if they had any sort of chink in their emotional armor. And those were the ones he really zeroed and honed in on. Those people know how to do that. It's like, Mm -hmm. they know how to order it. It's like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Sorry, guys, if you don't think that's a cult, I do. Um, they oh, literally yeah. read the obituary section of the newspaper and then go knock on that person's door when they've lost their husband or their kid or something and try to recruit them because they're at their lowest point. Yeah. Smart if you're trying to build up your cult. Well, but you <laughs> I feel like that feels very calculated. But like, I feel like a, like a coercive boyfriend or whatever partner could be compared to a, a cult leader sort of in a way like, and this, and he was like, kind of gathering his own little harem of girls that he could brand or, you know, whatever he was doing. So Jehovah Witnesses grief bomb. And I think we can all agree on that. There we go. They grief bomb. Yes. Army Mm -hmm. hammer love bombs. 
And he didn't even, he probably didn't even need to try that hard. Like, can you imagine just getting a DM from Army Hammer? Right. That's, you'd just be like, all right, I guess I'm in. Cool. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Like, I was talking about this with Jeff the other day. Jeff May, my co-host on Unpopular Opinion. Do you know him, Rachel? No, but I... I no I, need I, to I, meet him now. Continue, Adam. <laughs> this podcast, it's all conspiracy theories. Now, I host a, a bunch of different podcasts. I host this. I host a podcast called Conspiracies Show. I host Unpopular Opinion. You, a bunch. I, well, I need his own network. Deadly Sinners because I'm kind of interested in all that like weird shit. So yeah, that'd be cool. Anyways, I will, I'll, I'll have you on sometime. It's, uh, no, it's but a I should have show. you guys on my show if I find a case that like no. works for. Ah. <laughs> Rachel would be great at the conspiracy show though. And she is very good at doing her due diligence. I do weird stuff. Like, oh, I'm going back to this uh, New Mexico cult uh, this week. Never mind. Let's continue. <laughs> but the, when me and Jeff were talking about Army Hammer, what, like, one of the things that came up is, like, this dude is beautiful. Like, he like could, even guys can agree. Yeah, he could, he could already have just had pretty much whatever woman he wanted without being this fucking sadistic monster of, about it and there had to be something about that part like it clearly wasn't enough for him to just oh well i can kind of have sex with whoever i want like no but i also need to be able to like tie them up and carve my initials into their body and shit well th this this is what makes me think because we talked about this before we started when you, you were like do you think he's he's killed someone and I, I guess we're kind of jumping forward but it's still in the same first episode when that courtney girl goes to la at one point and then i think they she does break up with them or something and then her and her friend are on a walk like and i i maybe not a-list but an a-list or whatever the son of her grand great grandson of a billionaire an a-list you know guy is literally getting on like a scooter and like going to like find her like, and then when he goes to Dallas and he is outside of her apartment, it's very, like, he doesn't even care that, he, like, right. very creepy, murdery, sociopathic. Stalking. Yeah, very, it's, like, very, like, um, uh, Vasilia Ransacker, uh, what's, Golden State Killer. Like, he's acting just like these people that are not famous, doing really weird shit. So there was a point where Casey Hammer said when Army uh, was the kid and he was the heir to the to the legacy that was going to continue on the name. And of course, he was even a gorgeous, you know, toe headed little child. But um, that his Army's father, Michael, said, well, aren't you going to hug your aunt Casey? And his response was to <laughs> kick her in the shins. And she goes, but heaven forbid anyone say anything to Army like yeah." That's all he's known is there's never any repercussions for his actions. Yeah. What he's going through in social media now is probably the first time he's ever went through anything devastating. Oh, I, I'm sure. Well, well, let's, let's save that for when we go further into the documentary. <laughs> yeah. They bring up pretty early on in the documentary that he was raised at least for some of his childhood in the Cayman islands. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard a weirder fucking detail about anyone. Like, who lives in the Cayman Islands? That's nuts. People who want to be close in proximity to their offshore bank accounts. And yeah. they they talk to someone in one of the later episodes, one of Army Hammer's employees, and he says the reason they moved to the Cayman Islands is Army's dad read the book the firm and decided, mm -hmm. oh, well, it would be cool if we had a house in the Cayman Islands. And he was like, that is rich people shit. Yeah. And just like, oh, I like that thing. I'm going to just go do it. <laughs> that's nuts. I wonder what houses in the Cayman Islands cost. They got to be know. cheap, right? I would think cheap. Well, you continue on with the story. I'll Google it. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> I will say if you think about Firefest and all of the people that lived in the Bahamas, that they ended up hiring, you know, to work to build the fire festival. I don't think everybody needs a ton of money. Yeah. When you're living, yeah, that's the thing. The cost of living is going to be so low. Like well, you, talk amongst yourselves. I'm looking it up. I'll tell you. <laughs> but I did hear it was expensive to live in Hawaii. And one of the reasons is because obviously they have to import, you know, different things into the island. So you would think the island living would actually be expensive. Yeah, this isn't cheap. <laughs> if I'm looking correctly. Well, that's 52,000 square feet is uh, $1.8 million. 
but a six bedroom, four bath house, 3,700 square feet is 2 million. Yeah, that's, you know, a lot of money, but that's, I guess that's a good deal compared to like LA, but that's yeah. still not, you know, like that's not, I remember when I went to Indiana for the first time to my husband, where he, Indianapolis, where he's from, I was like, God, there's a lot of huge houses. I'm curious what they cost. For whatever reason, the real estate in Indiana is cheap. Like you can have a huge house for a million or less, you know, but like, so this isn't, I wouldn't say this was like cheap living. Like that's, there's an apartment for 1.1 million. That's crazy. Just so you know that there are TikToks right now saying that Peoria, Illinois is the cheapest place to live like in the world or <laughs> in America or something. And they'll have really nice houses that are like in the hundreds or 200,000s. Yeah. That's, there's nothing to do. There's a damn good reason Peoria is so cheap to live in. Oof. <laughs> so yeah, he, he grew up in the Cayman Islands. That's weird. There is a, a journalist who's interviewed in this, who was working on a story about him. And she says, or he says he didn't find anything out of the ordinary at first, except it keeps coming up that he has very extreme BDSM leanings. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate the most about this documentary, because if you just kind of listen to the surface details of, of this, it almost sounds like Army Hammer's being kink shamed a little bit. But that's what he was banking on, is that these women didn't understand exactly what BDSM means and what it entails and the level of consent that is involved in that. So if you just hear, oh yeah, he was into this weird sex shit and these girls were going along with it and now they're upset about it, it's easy to, I think, kind of think people are blowing this out of proportion. And this documentary makes it really clear that that's not the case. He was telling these women they were involved in one thing, and then he was doing very different shit. So uh, I have an interesting anecdote to that, because uh, I, I remembered this when I, like right before we were recording, I was trying to rewatch part three. Um, now, if it was Army Hammer, I might have not been so scared, maybe. So I'm trying to put myself in these girls' shoes. I went on one date with this guy off of Raya. He wasn't famous, but he was a very successful, like commercial director. Like he made, he made good money. He also had braces, which is a a problem. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Adult braces. Anyways, the date was fun, but at some point he slipped in. He like something, he he kind of like addressed it. Like he was going to tell me he like killed puppies for a living. I don't know. He was like, I, I really like you. I, I can't move forward. I have to ask you this early on or tell you this early on. I was like, huh. And I guess this was as scary to me kind of as maybe that. he said, I uh, am in the BDSM community and I preferably like, uh, like spanking is my thing. And I, I can't, I can't be with someone unless that they are into that. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Play it cool. I was like, yeah, you know, never done it uh i'll look into it cool like but we listen we like we we still hung out for like another hour i get back home and he messages me an article from like vanity fair or something about like all the successful people that find relief in bdsm or something it was like and so he was like trying to get me to be like no this is okay and i was just like yeah no i'm freaked out i wonder though if it was army hammer if i'd be like but he's army hammer right it 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 freaked me out in that scenario. I think it would have still freaked me out. Not that there's anything wrong with kink and BDSM or, or whatever, like, cause I know that they have all these rules and it's all chill, but I think, I don't know. I can see how those girls though did. It's not like some guy off the street that said it. It is. Right. Yeah. It's army hammer. And that like, that's going to carry some weight because there's so many things, especially with Courtney that come up where it's like, well, how did you, how did you stay with him like how did you keep going back and it's like i'm sorry the answer is he's army hammer and that's fucking cool like it's cool that he's army hammer and like Mm -hmm. that is going to play into that dynamic like i remember when i worked at cracked a co-worker came in one day and was like i mean i'm just gonna say the guy's name it doesn't fucking matter uh she was like my my friend went on a date with jason siegel last night and uh he masturbated in front of her and i was like oh that's weird 
And then she goes, twice? And it's like, okay, twice? Well, now it's weird (laughs) on both counts. Uh, Because if he did it once and you found it weird, that's a good time to get the fuck out of there. It was a first date? It was a first date. How, how does that scenario even play out? I don't know. I didn't ask a lot of questions, but uh, like the set, how does the second time happen? <laughs> the first time you're like, all right, well, this is clearly just a one-time thing. Glad he got that out of his system. Now let's go back to the apartment and see how things go. Let's go back to the apartment. So where did he first masturbate in front of you at the bus stop? That's the thing. Was that in the car? <laughs> What is going on? This is one of the weirdest stories I've ever heard. But it had to be just, well, it's fucking Jason Siegel. Let's see how this plays out. (laughs) So like, okay. If they were back at the house and like, it's a first date and she was not ready to hook up and he was, you know, worked up. Okay. That'd be still be weird, but like, you know, contain yourself, sir. But okay. Then the second time, what I need to speak to this person. How does the second time? Uh, Yeah. Like it, that to me just sounded like Jason F- Siegel had figured some shit out that that works. But it's also got to be like, because here's the thing. If Jason Siegel jerked off in front of me and was like, you want to go hang out and fucking watch football? I'd be like, that's fucking Jason Siegel. Let's see where yep. this goes. This is an interesting story. So I guess that's how it happened. But he's got that sweet, sweet how I met your mother fame. Got- I'm really embarrassed right now that this entire time I've been trying to think of who Jason Siegel is. Oh, uh, yeah, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the one that did the vampire piano thing in it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I feel like oh, we know awesome. somebody that went on a date with him and said that he was horrible. Oh, that there is a light memory coming up, but I think I can pick, pinpoint who it is, actually. More like a jerk off, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, he masturbated in front of your friend. Okay, so I have a question that has nothing to do with this podcast. And by the way, the more you listen, Rachel, you'll find that I bring up a lot of points that have nothing to do with the subject matter at hand. That's what makes you lovely. And you're one of the funniest people I know. I love you, Rachel. So question for both of you. And you have to answer or I have to quit this podcast. But <laughs> would you rather have a first date jerk off in front of you twice or have them go down on you if they had adult braces? Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. I think I can go out with them again. Uh, I mean, go yeah, go down on me, I guess. <laughs> oh, I was going to go with jerk off twice. Yes, I very much jerk off twice adam what are you thinking braces that's a whole new thing that's like i've never that's that's a road i've never traveled and you don't want to how do i know what if what if they accidentally like slip like and the teeth hit then you're not just dealing with teeth you're dealing with metal (laughs) these are adult braces i want to clarify that right (laughs) yeah he was like 34 (laughs) they're no different than kids braces wait did you say he was like 34 i didn't (laughs) know that wrinkle either well, yeah, no, he was, he was like 34. Listen, it sounds like we all have our homework cut out for us. <laughs> Let's parking lot this and come back to it next time. Put a pin in it. <laughs> so one of the first really crazy things that happens with Courtney and Army Hammer, one of the first things that when I heard it, I was like, that's it. Like that you, you probably should cut off contact there. She goes on a trip to the Hamptons. And at the same time, he's on a road trip that is going to take him through Texas where she lives. And one, even though they barely know each other, he gets very mad that she's not available enough that she can be in Texas when he's going to be in Texas. But then he also stops at her apartment building and sends her a message and says, I'm in front of your building. And then he like essentially breaks into her building and leaves her a note that says, I'm going to bite the fuck out of you. Autographed, by the way. Can't wait to see that episode Mm -hmm. of Pawn Stars someday when someone brings that in. But that alone, I feel like, is such creepy behavior that it's like, even if that's Army Hammer, it's like, ugh. That's no different than like a a serial, like that is, he's he's behaving like, Patterns that you hear in every, you know, serial killer's weird backstory or like he's it's alarming. Yeah. 
but he's I famous. I actually can't believe, I'm not trying to shame her, but I, I can see how people get manipulated and groomed or whatever. But the fear would have started pretty early on for me. And again, I'm not shaming her and I get his, he's a golden boy or whatever, you know, like, but that's, that's really scary. Yeah. Well, this is how sad I am. If I would have known he was driving through Dallas, I probably would have canceled my plans to the Hamptons so I could meet Army Hammer. I, I can see myself doing that too, actually. <laughs> I mean, because in my head, I'd be like, again, this is Army Hammer. And like, you know, who knows how long it's going to last. I want to ride this ride as long as I can. And that's the thing that kind of speaks to Courtney being a little level-headed about it. That she wasn't like, hey, fuck my friends in the Hamptons. I'm going to go hang out with Army Hammer. But at the same time, he breaks into her building and she's like, all right, fine. I will go on a trip to the desert with you next week. But first she wrote me. The most remote area. Mm -hmm. I I lived in, uh, well, my parents have had a vacation up in Palm Springs. No, we're not Army Hammer rich at all. Um, They've had a vacation home there for a long time. And I've I've driven out to the area that they've been many times. Even the drive out there, like it is you don't want to go there with someone who's already left a note that says they're gonna bite the fuck out of you. You're you're ending up in a in a mine, an old mine or a well somewhere. Yeah. But and it's kind of been alluded to in certain words that have been dropped, but he loved bombs, which is what Adam said. He grooms, which is what Rachel said. And then also isolation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, Carrie, you're right. Yeah, because what He's are you going to do? a method of operandi. Yeah, what are you going to do out there in the middle of the desert? You're out there with Army Hammer. And you're going to have to make it work. You're, you're not going to like get in a fight with him because he's like, you kind of play your cards and you read the room in terms of like, okay, does this scare me? But is the best approach because I am in the middle of nowhere. I have no other way out of here to just appease. And we didn't mention, it's like an immediate trip to the desert. Mm -hmm. Like she flies out, she gets off the plane and they just immediately make a beeline to the desert. And on the one hand, it seems like she catches a bit of a break because they go to a local farm supply company store and they just happen to be out of rope. And it almost sounds like she's joking when she says, you know, fortunately they were out of rope, but I don't think she's joking. Like that night would have gone a whole lot different if they had that rope. And she also, I mean, kind of hints at the night still didn't go great. I think that would have been my biggest alarm is pulling. It's one thing to talk about it. You to even show me pictures, but I think it's another to actually go to like a farm and supply store where it's like, Oh my God, like he's actually looking for rope that in and of itself would make it real for me. However, I also would say that I get so nervous in pretty much every situation, especially meeting somebody new and especially flying that I would have been so wasted when I got there that uh, I don't know that I wasn't a victim of Army Hammer. I might be too. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. You said There's about the isolation is mm-hmm. dawning on me of how. So I thought maybe they he bolted to the desert because he was maybe still married or something, and he just wanted privacy to do whatever he was going to do. But when isolation is a, a clear tactic, that is terrifying. They talk about at the end of the third episode. There's that other girl. Mm-hmm. who he did the same thing with. And it exact was the exact thing. same thing. He drove her yeah. immediately to the desert. So the trip to the desert, it doesn't go as bad as it could have, but it goes pretty bad. I would also like to add that I picked up on this really quickly. Do you guys remember watching that movie, Secretary? I don't. Oh, I've never seen That's the one he keeps making them watch? Yes. Never seen and it that. has Maggie Gyllenhaal, and it very much is about grooming someone to be subservient. And I remember when it came out, because she was getting a lot of acting accolades, so I watched it. And so, especially if you guys get a chance to watch that movie, him making them watch this, again, is very much obviously part of his grooming tactic. Yeah, because yeah, he, he also makes that other girl watch. Mm-hmm. The same movie. So he's got a system, which is weird. He's got a system. It's very weird. So all of the things about Army Hammer start to become public when a Twitter account called at House of Effie starts posting about it. And that's when Courtney comes forward and all of these other women who've been involved with Army Hammer come forward. Effie hires Gloria Allred and goes public with her story and it's it's bad 
The LAPD launches a criminal investigation over it. Meanwhile, Army Hammer hires Andrew Brettler, who is basically the Gloria Allred for rapist actors. Like, she has represented, I think, or he represented, I think, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Brian Singer. He's representing Tiffany Haddish right now. I will say, did you guys see the video, though, of the Effie girl talking about what happened to her? Yes. What's well, in the documentary? Yeah. yeah. It's right. Wild. And I mean, it sound, I'm just saying it just how traumatic that is. That this 24 year old girl, essentially, he's proud of what he did and said, your threshold for pain is unmatched. And he's gloating and he's proud of himself. And he's just like, I felt such power over you. And she's like, you banged my head against a wall for four hours. You raped me. I was terrified. I thought it was so sad to watch. And I don't understand, obviously, exactly what all happened in their four-year on-and-off relationship because, I mean, she would have been 20 when it started and I think possibly during his marriage. But then it also made me wonder if he didn't do this to his wife, which I don't think Elizabeth Chambers has come out and said that he ever did this to her. And I think his statement was essentially like, I respect my wife too much. Like, did he always have somebody in the background yeah, that he, he was doing this with? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. And either he had to or he had just been fantasizing about this for so long. I did like when they start introducing all of the Internet personalities who've been mm-hmm. talking about this. I love when they introduce at the Zen Blonde and she talks about how she had been doing a deep dive into Army Hammer's family, but also that in the process of that, a friend tipped her off that someone wrote a book about the family. And it's like, well, what were you researching before that? Because that's the first thing you look for is books written about the subject you're researching. Like, were you just checking to see if Armand Hammer had a social media profile in the <laughs> 1980s? Like, what were you looking up? Of course, you look for books first. Anyway, it's fine. Listen, we all learn. It's fine. It's fine. But she was able to gain a lot of followers that way because she was doing the audiobook, And then she kept pausing the audiobook to come and give everyone updates. And that's how it got all the traction that it got. Yeah. Because she was like, well, nobody else has brought this book to light. People must know, but nobody else had brought it to light. So then the rest of the documentary is kind of, it interweaves stuff about the rest of the Hammer family, excluding MC. He never comes up like total black sheep in the family. MC Hammer. From, yeah, of course. No, you can't touch they don't talk fame. about him at all. I noticed that as well. I think his bankruptcy. Yeah, they're probably them. just embarrassed mm-hmm. by his bankruptcy and the fact that it seems like he'd never brutally raped any women. Mm-hmm. So that just gets him excluded from this story. I guess that's fine. But I mean, they were using him. It was pretty obvious. <laughs> so, yeah, they talk about Julian Hammer, who was Army's grandfather, Casey's father. Casey is Army's aunt and a lot of the rest of the documentary just kind of focuses on her and her retelling this family's story seems like there was some sexual abuse in that family especially at the hands of julian hammer Mm -hmm. julian is a real character like he more than anyone like he's almost like a hunter s thompson type yes figure he looks like him too yeah and he just like hangs around the house in pajamas and does coke and shoots guns and has sex with teens and that's his whole life it's his whole fucking life and he had a bunch of um picture evidence where he'd be in the background while he was having his housekeeper suck some guy's d uh the housekeeper had adult braces which uh, i don't know if that was in the picture or not but it was a little known fact that was brought up um And then I think he started dating a housekeeper. And again, this just goes to show, I mean, there's a lot of evidence about him having just this kind of crazy weird mind, but he's with a housekeeper on a date and then they go out to a bar and she was like, yeah, I was really um, jealous because he's like hitting on all these guys. And then I realized we're at a gay bar. It seemed like he was just really into mind fuckery. Yeah, he was a problem. Julian was a huge problem. Is his uncle or his dad? Julian was Army's grandpa. Grandfather. Oh. Yes. 
Okay. I remember the story you're talking about with the gay bar. You think it's just shock value he was going for? Oh, absolutely. The other one thing that was brought up too was about how Michael was kind of this over the top personality. So then you have these two alphas that were constantly battling, but then it sounded like Michael would bring his girlfriends and his friends to his father's parties. And essentially it was a bunch of young people again, who are very influential, you know, and it was like sex and drugs and all this stuff. And then there was one point where Casey retells a story of her father and her brother arguing over who is going to take home her brother Michael's girlfriend and they get into a fist fight where the cops are called and then the father ends up uh, driving away with the girlfriend and then the girlfriend lives with him for another eight months like that is crazy I mean that's just one thing that's crazy yeah it is that story was insane Julian is a character Armand Hammer is also quite the character he seemed to really get off on spying on people and just like the, it seems like the thing he wanted to do with his money was control as many people and things as he could. And they go into a lot of detail about both of them. Like it's, this is one of those documentaries where it's three episodes and it feels like it did need to be three episodes, but it also didn't necessarily need to be three episodes. They go really, really deep into detail about Julian and Armand. Seems like Armand Hammer might've been like CIA or KGB or something. Like, well, he had a Russian past and that's why, and his first wife was Olga. And it sounds like he was ashamed of his son because of the whole Russian regime kind of connotation. But I thought it was really interesting that he was in so tightly with U.S. presidents. Like he was able to come to America and have a completely different narrative. Yeah. And the British royal family, too, was that, mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that, that, that Prince Charles met him at the airport, which is a big effort, but I'm sure it was a PR stunt. But to see him off and be like, don't feel bad that your oil rig killed a lot of people like it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. Yeah, he had he had like Michael Jackson connections. I wouldn't brag about that necessarily. <laughs> but if you think about Michael Jackson in the 80s, like every world leader was like, yeah, we love Michael Jackson. He's the best. He just wants world peace. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he wants world peace and he wants to touch kids. And the CIA and they- will let you talk to him in the name of world peace. So he'll tell you everything he knows. I am so convinced Michael Jackson was CIA, but it's fine. That's for another another podcast episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they talk about Army Hammer's Finsta, which, who is that for? Like, why? I guess just for your, your friends, but you need to have a fake Instagram account for your friends. Well, yeah, probably, think about it. If you were super famous, it gives you some sort of feeling like you also get to be normal. I'm sure, you know, fame is always the objective when you're, you know, it kind of goes along, I think, with being rich and especially being an actor. But I could also see you wanting to have this private side where you can just be a normal person. Yeah, but like, think about it, Carrie. What? Okay, If we had a friend at our age who was sending us videos of them snorting white powder off of someone else's hand or just like bragging about like drinking and driving, like I, I think it'd be a red flag. Like, like a call for help. Like maybe yeah, they have this because it would be a little that would if that showed up in my DMs on Instagram, I would be like, oh, God, this is concerning. Yeah, this is uh, weird. Like, uh, but certainly we know people are party or whatever. But like to send uh, that that is that is a cry for help or just so reckless. And, or someone who desperately wants to belong. You know, it's it's somebody who's like, oh, look, at I drink and I drive and I pass a drug test. And here's my hotel room with a girl in laundry that I'm going to gloss right over. That's somebody trying to be cool. Well, it seems like he got off on being able to do whatever he wanted. And in that situation, that fake Instagram account, he's doing stuff that most people like Rachel said, would like if Carrie was doing that on her Instagram, I feel like I might text Carrie and be like, hey, I'm kind of concerned about what the fuck's going on with you. And or I, you might text and want to pause. Yeah, or I might want you to come pick me up either way. But <laughs> it feels like Army Hammer 
got off on being able to do that without being questioned. And I think that was his kink, was just like unlimited access to people and to treat people however he wanted. And oh, that's like the worst kink of all. So it's L underscore Destructo underscore 86. And it's got, it's one of those that's private that he has to accept you. So somebody shared because he only has like 14 people that he's allowed access to. So one of those small number of people shared some of the videos that he had on there. Yeah, someone told. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess you got to expect that. Maybe that's what he wanted too. I don't know. Army Hammer's such a weird fucking guy. I guess that's one way to put it. So yeah, a lot of the rest of the documentary, it gets into like the difference between their the family's public image and their private image. Um, I'm going to, and this, can can you hear? Yeah, it's really bad. No, not really. (laughs) So that's been Rachel O'Brien, everybody (laughs) from the seven deadly sinners podcast. She's having, she's on a ranch right now, apparently in some sort of shipping container. It sounds like is Rachel, was she being held captive? I've got to figure this out because she has her own podcast, Seven Deadly Sinners, <laughs> she, that she posts often. So I don't know if she like drives down to the Days Inn to get their free Wi-Fi, but I'm going to get to the bottom of this. We got to figure it out. I feel like Army Hammer had something to do with this. But thank you, Rachel, for joining us as long as you could. Ian Carrie will finish from here uh we got it so yeah like they they get to the end of episode two and like michael that's army's dad casey's brother he marries a super religious woman named drew and they get married uh that's army hammer's parents michael and drew hammer and so armand dies and everyone starts fighting over his possessions and At the will reading, it comes to pass that Michael Hammer is made executor of the estate. Casey gets $250,000. Julian gets $500,000. Michael gets the Rolls Royce and literally the entire rest of the $40 million estate. And Julian is so whacked out by this point. He turns to Michael and goes, what do you mean you get the Rolls Royce? Like not even registering that the entire estate has gone to him. He just wants... The Rolls Royce and like, but does he want the Rolls Royce or is it just because he likes to have this constant combativeness with his son? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably that. And Casey just essentially says like literally her narrative throughout the whole thing. And I 100% believe that she's a victim, but she's like a casualty of war. That is her life. She's just a casualty in everyone's crosshairs. Kind of. She reminds me a lot of Mary Trump. Mary Trump is Donald Trump's niece, and she is the daughter of this Trump brother that Donald Trump and his dad essentially bullied into drinking himself to death. And when it came time for Fred Trump to uh, die, in his will, basically, Mary Trump was cut out of the will because her dad had died by the time Fred Trump died. So it was decided she wasn't family anymore because the Trump brother who gave life to her wasn't alive anymore. And she ends up doing the same thing that Casey has done here, except on a much bigger scale. Like it seems like Casey's book until all of this internet attention didn't really get that much press or publicity, but Mary Trump, because of all that, because of how they treated her father and because of how she was treated when the will was finally read, she wrote probably the best book about Donald Trump because she's a clinical psychologist and she also grew up with Donald Trump. And those are all family secrets that could have been kept secret if they had just treated her as family. But super rich families like this, it seems like they always need that one member of the family to fuck over. Like it's not enough that they're so rich, they're kind of fucking society over, but there also needs to be that one person in the family who gets it 
too. And then that's how shit like this happens. That's how tell all books happen. That's how this documentary happens. And like Michael Hammer is still alive. Like Mm -hmm. he's got to deal with the blowback from all this too. Even though he's not as much of a public figure. Well, Casey, even when the Zen Blonde was like, oh, here's a book, the audio book that I'm listening to, which is um, by Casey Hammer, uh, Surviving My Birthright, I believe is what it's called. And she essentially says, you know, when she finds out that it's going viral, like, you know, thank you so much for bringing this to light. And I will say this with Trump, he was our president. Like, we should know stuff like that if he's running our country or possibly for re-election. Sure. Do I need to know all this stuff about Army Hammer? No, but is it fascinating? Yes. Yeah, and he's still a public figure and he's using his platform to hurt others. Status as a public figure to hurt other people. So yeah, yeah if nothing else, it's a good warning for anyone yeah. else who might. And here's the thing. He'll keep doing this until he goes to jail for it. So he went to rehab, which I know they discuss at the end. Like, that's what you do. You go to rehab and you apologize. I'm an addict. I'm going to get help. You go for whatever your addiction is. And then then you get out. So now I believe he's back in the Caymans. And he's got a dental hygienist girlfriend. But it was interesting because someone was like, well, he's sober now. And I'm really worried that this docuseries is going to compromise his sobriety. And maybe it will. But again, where's the emotion for the victims. I mean, even just to interview Courtney or, you know, the model, I know she didn't really, well, so there's a model who had the photos who just did some DMS with him, but never met him. And then there's the other model, you know, or or there's a few different people who at one point were legitimate victims of him. Where is the compassion for that to see if they're okay? Because they talk a lot about victim shaming in this and like all, you know, the backlash that they were scared to get if they were to come forward. And finally they were like, I just had enough. And Courtney's mantra, I think when she went to rehab, that she was used, abused and discarded. And she goes, I had to repeat it so many times until I realized that that is exactly what happened to me. And it happened to others. Yeah, there's so many stories like this now. And I mean, there are some where like Army Hammer, it's an easy one to just like kind of gloss over and assume that, well, okay, but they were like, like it was all consensual, but it's deeper than that. Like he knew what he was doing. He truly was not operating on a level playing field with these women. Like it wasn't just that. He was so much more famous and rich and powerful than them. But he just like he really dropped the hammer, so to speak, like in the bedroom in that moment, like he was really great up to that point. And like he would say, like, yeah, you mind if I tie you up or whatever? But but I don't think there were those questions like they interviewed a BDSM expert that said it's all based on consent. And he never once asked that we know of well, any of his victims or partners. And that's what I like about this documentary. I like that they bring an actual dominatrix in at the end to explain like, yeah, those girls were there willingly, but there's more to it with BDSM. Like it's usually like the thing she said that stood out is it's usually centered around the person being dominated's fantasies, like mm-hmm. the person being tied up. It's usually about what they want. And with Army Hammer, it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. It was, well, I'm going to tie you up and then I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, including like carving my initials in your skin. Like that's not, that's not BDSM shit. That's like torture. Right. And this documentary is really effective in that way, because I think Army Hammer and the accusations against him are easy to dismiss if you don't really understand the dynamics of it, which I don't think I, I don't think I know I didn't going into this. Like, I assumed Army Hammer like was a fucking monster and like whatever people were saying was true. But I just didn't I didn't know the the depths of it. Mm hmm. 
I know Courtney even said like right away when we had talked on the phone, he talked about how he came from this evil lineage of evil males in his family. So it's like, well, he's expressing, but also maybe testing the waters to see if she was scared, you know, or would back off or is that him venting and trying to figure it out? But it was very interesting. I thought when uh, Casey said she only got to three episode three of, um, the show succession. And then she yeah. was like, I couldn't watch anymore. I hit too close to home. I got to get back into succession. Yeah. It's a good show. It's a good show. It's a good one, but she goes, here's all these rich people who will backstab each other in a second to each other's face. It's, it's all good. And at the end of um, the, the docuseries, essentially Michael sends her, I don't know if it was a cease and desist, but a letter just saying, these are all fabrications. God bless you. <laughs> But you're a liar yes. and I will come after you if you don't stop. Yeah, it's succession shit. Yeah, a lot of the last episode deals with the chances that Army Hammer might launch a comeback. And He's still I, young. Don't, I don't know. Like Louis C.K., I, I feel like Army Hammer is almost too rich to be given a second chance. I know that doesn't sound right, but I feel like there are a lot of people in Hollywood who are well off, but way less well off than Army Hammer, who know that if they were in Army Hammer's situation, they probably wouldn't get a second chance. I also don't know if Army Hammer cares that much. Like, he's so rich no matter what. Like, does he care if he can't act anymore? I mean, it's kind of what Rachel talked about at the beginning where you always want something more. And there's probably something about being in the spotlight where he did need, you know, the fame and the acting classes. And, you know, then it kind of spread out into adulation of all these young women that he could conquer. So, yeah, I mean, you can sit around and be rich, but, you know, what are you going to do again? What is he? Maybe 40? He's still got a lot of life ahead of him. Yeah, they in the third episode also talked to one of his former employees. And he was an abusive maniac to his employees, too. He wanted this guy to go wait for someone at the airport whose flight was coming in. And he wanted him to stand in the lobby with a sign like people do that has the person's name on it. But he wanted that sign to say the F word. And then he, like, threatened to fire the guy for not wanting to do it. But not just threatened to fire him was publicly humiliating him along the way. Just like, can you believe like, trying to goad him and doing what he wanted being relentless? Cause he's used to getting his way. And then he was like, he essentially treated me like shit. And I know it wasn't as bad as what these women went through, but like you could tell it was kind of like, I thought he treated me poorly. Yeah. You know, these women had it even worse and, and then again, what he did to me was shitty, but it's like such a power move because what he wanted to do was stupid. You know what I mean? Like who wants to go to a sign and like hold a sign that says the F word at the airport? Like, does it matter that much? Like, I'd be like, oh yeah, maybe it's not socially acceptable. I'll let it go. Yeah. But like, he couldn't let it go because he's so used to getting his way. Yeah. It, it really seems like he just got off on getting his way in all situations. Mm-hmm nuts yeah so it's it's a fascinating documentary i think it's very much worth watching because again the allegations against army hammer on the surface do i i can see how some people would dismiss them as not being that serious because the women involved were there willingly but watch the documentary you'll get it like he's he's bad times he's very bad times and i don't know i I cannot see him coming back. Here's the thing. If that's your kink or I don't even know if I can call it a kink because he was literally abusing these women. But if that's your thing, like, can you be rehabbed in 90 days? And then like whatever, you know, you were into, like, I'll be on it. I mean, how many people go to rehab and almost immediately or at some point fall off the wagon and get back into alcohol or drugs or sex addiction or whatever it might be? Like, I don't think just because he went and put out a statement saying that he went and he's rehab, rehab that he's necessarily rehabbed. Well, even the artist girl who never actually met up with him at one point, she like posts some some memes like after all this has happened, like after all of this has come out and she posts something in like this art installation about eating the rich mm-hmm. and fucking Army Hammer, for one thing, comments 100 percent. And it's like you are the rich. Right. Army like people are going to eat you. 
But then he also says, save the rib for me for smoking. And that really seemed to like ribs and and glutes. And that was a thing he had told one of these girls was that he wanted to eat her rib. I think he told both girls. Yeah. And it's like, even after all of this has come out, he's still commenting on this other girl's posts, presumably because they haven't met. So he assumes she doesn't know how bad things can get when they do meet. Here is the one thing, and I don't know if this was ever a consideration, but if with the journalists, he shut down real quick the fact that he wasn't into BDSM. I mean, he is going into girls' DMs, and honestly, if if they were thirsty or even not thirsty for attention, they could expose him. You would think he would have been a little more careful, but I think that was his other kink was being reckless, but have them sign an NDA. Yeah. You know, it isn't like there was any of that. Yeah, they do address that. It does seem like he also got off on doing reckless things. And this was very reckless and it caught up with him. Like, I think that was part of it with Anthony Weiner. I think it wasn't just that he liked sexting teenage girls. I think it was the fucking danger of knowing, oh, if I get caught, this is going to mm-hmm. be bad. Like, those, I already got caught once and it was, ooh, it was so bad. And he got caught again. And it's like some people just can't be rehabbed. Right. And it seems like Army Hammer is probably one of those people. And even if he can be, like, talk about someone who's had every chance in life to, like, just be a decent dude who lives a normal life. Like, financially, he's had that that exit ramp has been available to him his entire life. They had a Christian basis. Yeah. And he just chose to be this sex creep instead. So... I don't care if Army Hammer ever makes another movie. He'll be fine. And I don't, like, some people just, like, he deserves, everyone deserves to make a living and, like, survive, but he doesn't deserve to keep making movies. Like, I'm sorry, that is kind of a privilege. And, like, you don't get to fuck around in that industry where power imbalances like that exist as someone who has a history of exploiting them for your own personal gain. Sorry, you got to go work at AutoZone or something. Hell yeah. You know what movie he probably liked? What? Fresh on Hulu. Oh, I liked Fresh. Yeah. That was, right. that was a very good movie. Mm-hmm. That movie fucking ruled. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot more to the documentary. We didn't talk about The Sex Throne, which sounds horrible, but go watch it. If if you're if you're still on the fence about whether Army Hammer deserves to be canceled or not, watch this documentary. And if you come away from it feeling like he doesn't, you're probably a sex creep also. There was a lot of information about Army and his family, but I wish it was and again, this sounds horrible to say because it's about bad things that happen to people. But I was more interested in the Army Hammer current day stuff than I was in all of the background of the family. And I felt like that was really like the second and third episodes where I really wanted to know more about what Army Hammer is doing. Cause I'm sure there's still more women out there who haven't, you know, spoken up and not that they have to, what we saw was bad enough, but you know, there's gotta be more, so many more. Yeah. The stuff about his family was interesting, but it feels like this still could have been a little shorter. Like it almost turns into torture porn. At one point where you're just like hearing tale after tale of these dudes getting away with the most depraved shit. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. Now, what do we do about it? And the answer is nothing at all. Nothing. We just go on to another documentary. Yeah. Yeah. There will be another. So, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Adam. Was that the ghost of Rachel? No, that's Rachel, Rachel from her compound. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, check out Seven Deadly Sinners, Rachel's podcast that me and Carrie will definitely be on soon. And uh, do we have anything to plug before we get uh, out of here? I will say I did miss about 10 texts from, from Rachel. So her Wi-Fi still works somewhat. 
Uh, I'm so sorry. I feel like an, an asshole, I assume. The whole thing is frozen. Please tell your listeners I'm sorry. But one point I think is interesting is you guys <laughs> think Army was abused as a kid. That doesn't justify anything. But what do you think? And by the way, she uh, apparently does not believe in punctuation, but does believe <laughs> in run on sentences. Uh, anyway. Uh, that was fun. Please also tell Adam, I'm sorry. I feel so bad. Uh, do I have anything to plug? You know what? We keep talking about doing comedy in the Midwest and we need to make it a reality. I have a few spots in mind. We're going to make it happen. We got to make it happen. A little, say, a little say, trouble run in the Midwest. I say spring 2023. So we have time to plan it. We can flesh it out. Get a lot of yeah. dates lined up. Yeah, I know more cities now. Me and Carrie had plans to tour and then COVID happened. Like we had our first show set up in Chicago and then had to, one of the first things I had to cancel because of COVID. Was, Didn't that place shut down? And then that place shut down because Jeez. of COVID. Bad times. Bad Sad. times. So yeah, I don't really have anything to plug right now. Me and Carrie have another podcast called Light Anomaly, a Ghost Adventures Rewatch podcast. There'll be more episodes of that coming soon. And, uh, I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Carrie, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.